If you're doing something like a core software replacement, such as cost management, which we had just gotten through, um, or you're replacing your project management software, treat it like a project, you know, mm -hmm. manage it like a project. Um, and that requires collaboration and, and so much more to make sure that it stays on track, on schedule and on budget, just like these construction professionals are used to each and every day. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Brad Buckles. He's the VP of Technology and Innovation at Charles Perry Partners. Brad, a technologist at heart with an expedition into the construction industry, has been blending these two worlds for nearly 12 years. His background in technology laid the foundation for a career that has since evolved to focus on how technological innovations can revolutionize the construction sector. With almost three decades of experience in technology and a significant chapter in construction, Brad brings a unique perspective to the table, emphasizing the importance of integrating cutting edge tech solutions into construction processes. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you so much, Todd. It is such such an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the, the conversation. So I, I always like to start with kind of your, your origin story. What brought you into the uh, construction industry? Oh, gosh, you know, I'll tell you, when I started 12 years ago, innovation, as you know, Todd, wasn't on the top of the priority list for construction firms. It was just kind of becoming that and the need was there. And so when I started with CPPI almost 12 years ago, that, you know, it was just an opportunity to be able to to improve. You know, I am blessed to work at Charles Perry Partners. Um, we have a history of being an innovative company. Um, so that innovative spirit allowed me to be able to just jump right in there and ride their coattails and, you know, try to shape how we do things at CPPI and how we uh, can improve our projects and improve our employees' um, experience on those projects. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the the passion behind it as well too. That's yeah. that's always fun to to see. Why do you think most people uh, maybe tend to struggle some when it comes to technology implementation? What's maybe kind of the the biggest misunderstanding? Todd, I think one of the biggest misunderstandings is implementation is just installing software and then you know you just implement it and and you start using it and we'll just learn as we go. And that was certainly the case back in the 90s and probably 2000s. It was a software-driven company and uh, or uh, technology was a software-driven uh, organization. But as we've moved over to software as a service and technology is becoming more paramount and complex, you can't just install it, do a little bit of minor configuration and, and, and kick it down the road. Um, it requires dedication in order to be able to fine-tune that application to do what you want to do in your organization. Mm -hmm. So how do you take the time on the, the front side then to, to really think through what should the implementation process look like? Who needs to be involved? What is the kind of the, the realistic goal that everybody's aiming for? How, do, how does that process, how should that go about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll look at um, implementations. You know, I've done this for so long, Todd, that I've seen this time and time again. I've been a part of successes and I've been a part of failures and I've learned through lessons learned that there's three emotional states a company is going to go through. 
And those three emotional states starts with that vision stage, which that vision stage is started at pre-sales. When, when the salespeople are talking to them about the software and promising them the world and telling them that it'll make their cup of coffee in the morning, they start <laughs> making this picture of what this software is going to do for their organization. And that's exciting because they're excited at that point in time. Um, then as they start implementing, they hit what's called a freakout stage or what I call a freakout stage where reality you know, the rubber meets the road. And, and now we're starting to use this software. We need to start replacing our old processes that we were used to with this new software, this new solution that is now taking place of that. But guess what didn't change? My deadlines didn't change. You know, I still have to get pay applications out. I still have to get my change orders processed. You know, when you're looking at cost management, that is. <clears throat> and, um, once a company struggles through that um, that freakout stage, they move over into what I call the comfort zone. That's when they start getting acclimated with the software. They've started refining their processes, and they've started to continue that innovation journey as they move forward. But back to your point, Todd, where it all begins is that vision stage, and that's the most crucial portion of their implementation journey because that's where they need to be structuring the design of their software they need to start looking at what processes need to be improved, how they're going to leverage that software to improve those processes. And gosh, really, Todd, they, they need to be shooting for the stars there. They need to be leaning into that technology to find out where they can best solve the challenges that they face as an organization. So that that's the first part of that implementation. And, and my gosh, Todd, we could talk for, for several hours on this topic. I mean, unfortunately we don't have that time, but it, it, there, there's a lot there. Yeah. I, I love those three phases. I haven't heard people break it down like that before, but I think that's spot on accurate that, you know, you, you got that, that vision. That's awesome. Everything's going to work perfectly well. <laughs> yeah. And that, then the reality kind of sets in you're like oh no what did i just do <laughs> right. it's the, the hard work of having to figure out the where to click and uh somebody recently uh talking about switching over crms said you know you're you're moving into a new house it has all the same bedrooms but they're in a different place now so you got to take the time and be patient figure out where your bedroom is and that's okay to be a little lost <laughs> Well, I just want to add on to that. I, I love yeah. that analogy. And an analogy I use is you're getting ready to renovate your, your entire organization. If you're doing something like a core software replacement, such as cost management, which we had just gotten through, um, or you're replacing your project management software, treat it like a project, you know, mm -hmm. manage it like a project. Um, and that requires collaboration and, and so much more to make sure that it stays on track, on schedule and on budget, just like these construction professionals are used to each and every day. Yeah. Any tips on how to minimize the, the time spent in that freak out and try to get from vision Absolutely. to comfort as quick as possible? Absolutely, Todd. And that's where you need to really do proper planning and proper strategizing. You know, I talk about collaboration quite a bit. I say, we don't need to communicate. We communicate enough. We, we mm -hmm. send emails, we have meetings, we have meetings about the meetings. <laughs> we have uh, text messages flying through the air. We have emails flying through the air. I mean, so much goes on from a communication standpoint that organizations, when they're getting ready to implement, need to grasp collaboration, just like they do on a project. 
they're not just going to notify somebody that there's an issue out on the project. They're going to follow up. They're going to be communicating and collaborating, you know, sp specifically with pre-construction when you're in the design phase of a project. There's a lot of collaboration going on and software implementation needs to be treated just like that. We need to collaborate. We need to get the stakeholders in the room, whether that's from accounting, from IT, certainly from operations, from executive leadership. So all, everyone can have their input on what they want to achieve and then document, document, document. Todd, if you want to know one of the areas where companies fail the most, it's documenting the processes, these new processes that they're getting ready to replace. They need to document those and they need to put them in such a way that they can clearly communicate and bring forth that collaborative spirit within the organization to let people know where the pinch points are as the implementation unfolds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I hear with that on the, the collaboration angle side is, it's not a a lack of communication there, but it's a lack of communication in the the way people are going to receive it and and kind of learn from it as well too. So, you know, just writing it down and sending it out in as a you know a memo is not going to bring people together. You got to bring it in and say, all right, Brad, what are you trying to get out of this, and what are you looking to accomplish, and walk it through on how you're going to understand it and, and see it and make sure that you feel comfortable with it and not just throw it up in a dock and say, all right, well, you know, I, I communicate it. Now oh, go Todd, do it. You're absolutely right. Our president, Brian Leslie, he says all the time, he says, you got to communicate seven times. I mean, yeah. if you say it one time, get ready to say it six more times. And it's not from, it's that repetitive messaging that you're getting out there and making sure that you've got your ear close to the ground at a grassroots level. Don't stay up in the executive suite and expect that you're going to understand what goes on as the implementation unfolds. You need to be in the weeds, working hand in hand with the people, making sure that you're supporting them and giving them the resources that they need to be successful um, so that as that implementation continues on, you'll minimize that freak out stage. Yeah. Fully, fully agree. Now, let's dive into cost management a, a bit some. So sure. cost overruns, as you know, can be very problematic for, <laughs> for projects and uh, a company's financial health. How should, uh, you know, companies look at, at technology, maybe, you know, with Autodesk builds cost management, how, how does that kind of help organizations maintain better control over project costs? And maybe what are some kind of common challenges that, uh, people should should look at addressing. Yeah, Todd, when we when we circle back to the vision stage, one of our visions was that we wanted to be able to do two things. We wanted to touch data one time. Uh, our poor project managers, they, they you know, I'm surprised they don't have PTSD over the amount of pencil whipping that goes on with having to do duplicated amounts of work. So we wanted to reduce that, but we also wanted visibility. Todd, we wanted to be proactive and not reactive. And from a financial standpoint, that needs to, that means we need to have real-time data flowing from our accounting system to our uh, project management software, in this case, Autodesk Build Cost Management. And we needed to have the real-time analytics to be able to go on top of that, which we leveraged Power BI to drive those analytics so that we can see down the road and make those pivot decisions as we need to. If we start seeing that there is an increased amount of change orders on a project, we want to get in front of that. We want to ask the questions as to why are we X percent over where we should be on change management. 
or if we have our costs starting to exceed our projected uh, budget then what or revised budget, then why are what's happening there? So we want to have some key performance indicators, some KPIs that we can monitor and we can be proactive on making sure we don't have cost overruns. And, and cost overruns also bleed into the project management, linking data, linking things such as schedules and RFIs to our cost activities um, becomes extremely important because you start laying out that cookie trail on where that cost event originated mm. and all the way through to a um, change order to a subcontractor. You have that entire paper trail all in one screen, all right there at the touch of your fingers. And that's what needs to happen in order to be ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of shift needs to happen within the company in, in order to be able to really be able to leverage that data that, you know, there's such an influx of, of data coming in. How do, how do you really be able to leverage it to harness to make real data driven decisions? Well, in that vision stage, you're bringing the stakeholders in, you're bringing the CFO in, you're bringing the controller in, you're bringing people in operations into the conversations, and you're finding out from them what their needs are. And, um, you know, what we did is is I took those meetings and I, I took detailed notes and went back and determined what is it they need to be able to visually see in a Power BI environment where they could go to and see what they're looking for at a drop of a hat, not having to dig through a file folder structure and pull up this spreadsheet and compare with this spreadsheet. And then, oh my goodness, we got to find the backup to that. Where is that in a folder? We wanted it all in one place, visually appealing so that they could understand it and digest it in a quick way. Now, Autodesk has um, some templates that are built. So if you don't have a Power BI person that on your staff, they've built some templates that I suggest people start with. And then if they can learn, if they have an IT department or if they have a consultant, which is a good idea to have, bring those people on board, tell them what you need, and then develop that proactive stance. But it, it, it all starts to answer your question, Todd, listening, 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 listening to the stakeholders and where the pinch points and then solving the problems at a root cause level. If I may add one more thing, Todd, um, one of the stories that I tell about root calls is if we all walked into a room, Todd, if you and I walked into a room and there was a puddle of water on the floor, we would both agree that that's a problem, right? We would say, oh my goodness, we need to fix this problem. And we could mop the water up and we've solved that problem. But if we came in the next day and saw the same puddle of water laying on the floor, we still agree that that's a problem. We could mop it up and move on. But until we look up and see, oh my goodness, the tile up the, you know, uh, over our head is also wet. Now we've got two problems. We can mop the floor up and replace the tile. But until we go to the root cause of that problem where, oh, we've got a penetration in the roof that needs to be repaired. Until we can address that root cause problem, it's, it's, it's not going to solve all the underlying problems. And so I mentioned to our folks that we need to look at root cause. What is the real problem here? And then take that real problem and, and, and use innovation to, to try to solve it or, or get us closer to solving that problem. The industry is struggling with a communication problem and a lack of interoperability. This is causing 25% of data being recreated and almost $300 billion loss due to bad communication. Great Tech Group believes that is a problem. So they created Data Connect, an easy to use, no code platform that connects critical ERP systems with cost management to form a single source of truth to empower better communication decision-making, 
and project efficiency, delivering the ultimate business outcome of being on time and on budget. Visit asti.com slash data connect to start saving time and money. Yeah, I love that illustration because going back to where we started, I think that's where a lot of implementations go wrong is they're just looking at that water on the floor and they're solving that problem, thinking that this technology is going to fix everything. And then they're wondering why it's not. And it's, it's not necessarily the technology it's fault. It's that you didn't go up high enough in the, the root cause chain to really address what the problem actually was. And you're just putting bandaid on bandaids and so right. in the long run creates a, a bigger problem. And, and no offense to our operations folks. Um, I, th I think this is in the industry is they don't want to all necessarily get into the weeds. They want to be able to address the problem and move on. Right. No, we yep. need to stop and we need to be more analytical, think through these things and determine what that root cause is. And let's solve that. And then that way we don't have to come into the uh, office every day and mop the floor. Yeah. I like it. So going a little bit more into the sure. weeds then uh, let's bring in, ERP into the, the conversation. Oh, yeah. So integrating uh, ERP system, that's a, that's a massive <laughs> project and, and consideration for cost management uh, implementation as well too there. Well, what are the benefits of, of integrating cost management tools with an ERP system? Well, I, first of all, let me address, it is a massive undertaking in the sense that there's a lot of moving parts for it. But Todd, there are companies out there that provide those integration services that can help even the smaller general contractors out there make it a reality for them. So I would suggest to everyone, if you, if you can, um, and it works for your business case, integrate with your ERP system. Um, because the value is going back to that proactive approach, touching data one time, you know, we didn't want to create, let's say a change order, save that into a folder somewhere for accounting to be able to pick up, um, key it into their system. We wanted this to touch the data one time in build and then move on. That's it. And we automated it in such a way using ACC Connect that we even download all of the attachments out of cost management and store it into our cloud folder system that allows our accounting department to have access to that data. So we're not even saving files. We're not saving contracts, change orders, pay applications. It's generated and then the project manager moves on. They don't have to do anything else. So the value is touching data one time and also getting that actual cost as it's been spent out, whether that's payment application, payments to pay apps, uh, invoices, um, payroll, uh, credit card transactions, Project managers need that information in real time and they need it to be accurate. And prior to an integration with an ERP system, Todd, we were waiting for a JCR report. So we had job cost reports that our accounting department was creating and they would have to do that for every single project. And then they were sending them out to the, to the project managers sometimes a week or two later after it's been generated. So we needed that more accurate ability to get that data in front of them so they could forecast their projects more accurately. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, understanding the resource requirements is really critically an important factor for success. What, what steps should organizations do you think should they take to ensure 
they have the the necessary resources in place for this successful implementation. Touching oh, all these Todd, different areas. if 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 we just had a bullseye, you took the dart and threw it and hit right into the bullseye. <laughs> It really is about making sure you're leveraging your resources for an implementation. It's not a one guy in IT that installs this software, configures it, works with a couple of people for a couple of weeks and starts running projects on it. You know, you have to have training resources in place. People have to know how to use this software. And you talk about lessons learned. My goodness, we had to pivot so many times to make sure that we were providing our people with the information that they needed to be able to learn this new system. You can't just expect people to, even a seasoned project manager, to expect them to just right out of the gate, start using the software. If you really want to frustrate people, then take that approach, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, have those resources dedicated, making sure that all the stakeholders continue to be involved in the conversation and that it's a group collaborative effort, not a single person somewhere sitting there making all the decisions and, and driving an implementation because you're setting yourselves up to fail if you don't. Mm -hmm. So good point, Todd. Good point. Yeah. What do you say to the the companies that are like, yeah, this all sounds great. Uh, we should do this, but we just don't have the time or the, yeah. you know, they're so busy right now. It's a it reality. Like it would take forever. It's so yeah. true, Todd. It's a reality. I, that's where you need to have partner involvement, whether you're working directly with Autodesk or if you have a, a reseller that you're working with, they have the resources that you don't have. They have the expertise, they have the knowledge, and uh, they have the people power to be able to bring to it. You know, if you understaff a project or heavens forbid your subcontractors understaff their project, your project, then you can expect delays. You can expect cost overruns. You can expect quality problems. Um, that's why I continue to say, treat it like it's a construction project. Make sure that your people are in place. Make sure your schedule activities are in place and you know when to insert the people at the right time and don't hesitate on raising your hand and asking for help, making sure you line those up at the vision stages is, is paramount. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of circling, pulling that training thread uh, a bit more, uh, what kind of timeline should, should people be expecting when you're going through this process? How long does it take to get really up and, and running with the cost management? Oh, Todd, I get asked that so many times. <laughs> um, it varies. Um, it varies on um, the size of company. It uh, varies on uh, where your current company is at from an innovative, meaning if you already have an ERP system and you're already integrating with another product, um, it matters on what you're trying to accomplish in that vision stage. And I always say, shoot for the stars, accomplish as much, you know, throw it out. If you, if you want it, if you think it can be done, be told it can. If you want it to make your coffee in the morning, say you want it to make your coffee in the morning, let the guys figure it out whether or not they can do it or not. Yeah. Um, which I think Autodesk has an API for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, shoot for the stars. But yeah, that it all depends, Todd. Um, you know, if I was to throw a number out there, averages from what I've seen over the last couple of years, working with um, general contractors and, and speaking with general contractors, you know, throughout the U.S. and abroad, I would plan on um, I would plan plan on probably about three three to four months, mm -hmm. um, and I would say, you know, you're gonna you're gonna start piloting the project. So, you know, that pilot I consider as part of implementation, and that pilot could go on. You know, I, I, I would choose a churn and burn project, something that has a short duration project schedule, 
um, that you can run a full life cycle of the project through uh, your new software and uh, making sure that um, you, you, you refine your processes as you go through that pilot pro process, refine your SOPs, refine your documentation as you go through it. So I, it's tough, man. I mean, probably three months to get to a pilot stage if you're doing everything the right way. Um, could be more, could be less, depending on the size of the organization and the complexity of the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. So you just brought up SOPs. Are, are there any kind of best practices that, that you recommend companies should adopt to, to streamline their cost management procedures? Oh my gosh. Um, standard operating procedures has become such an important, important resource for our people. Um, and I use the term resource because it's not a document that we're just going to put out there and nobody ever sees. This needs to be something that they're, as they're learning the software, they have this as a resource they can go to and see these are the standard operating procedures for building a budget. These are the standard operating procedures for buyout and writing contracts. These are the, you know, so on and so forth for every single thing that you would do in cost management or whatever implementation you're doing, um, writing those SOPs aren't just something that you're putting down on pencil. It's something that you're making sure that becomes a resource that's communicated. And also, Todd, I, I also say to our folks that we write our SOPs in pencil. They're designed to be challenged. If you can think of a, a better, more streamlined process, we want to hear about it. And if it's if you're right and there is a better streamlined process, then we want to adjust our standard operating procedures so that everybody can benefit from it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and one of my questions was going to be, how do you make it not feel like the bureaucracy coming in? But I, I think you addressed that with writing it in pencil. I love that concept of it, that it, an SOP is designed to be challenged. It's not written in stone oh, or anything. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where that fosters that collaboration because if everyone knows, and, and I'll tell you another thing, we even make our SOPs for accounting um, visible to our operations folks, because if they say, well, you know, if they don't understand the pay application process on the other side, right? Um, if they have a question, they, they have a resource to go to. And if they think that there can be a better way to do it, then let's, let's, let's be transparent um, and let's listen for potential opportunities for improvement. So it, it fosters that collabor collaboration that I keep drilling in to people. Just don't let this be some guy in the sky broadcasting out what the implementation is going to look like. Make it a part of everyone contributing to the vision stage of your integration and certainly your pilot program. Yeah, uh, agreed. Uh, love that. Uh, so I can't let a technology and innovation guy go without bringing up AI at least oh once in, in the course of a conversation. <laughs> oh, uh, Where do you see the direction of, of AI moving? Even let's just go one year because it's moving so fast. One year out this time next year, where's what are we going to be talking about with AI? Oh, you know, Todd, it is it is growing so fast. You, you're you're going to have to get Elon Musk on your podcast to predict this accurately. <laughs> That'd be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it, it's already starting to make a, a dive, especially at Autodesk. Autodesk has been utilizing AI. A lot of people don't know this for about ten years. Um, looking at high risk RFIs, looking at high risk safety um, and issues that are um, on a project. But um, as uh, AI continues to unfold, we, you know, we're going to start seeing 
the, the important information that we have on the project continue to rise to the top for our visibility. So I think it's going to improve visibility on a project. I think we're also going to start seeing it more and more developed in the design phase. So hopefully we start to see better models, better um, coordination, um, and you know better overall drawings from our architectural team as it starts moving in construction. So when you do that, we're going to start to see a reduction in RFIs. We're going to start seeing potentially a reduction in um, you know some of the schedule risk that you have um, mm -hmm. because we're starting to get more accurate um, and up to date. Um, drawings. And uh, hopefully it's not going to be as much of a heavy lift with generative AI. Hopefully we're going to be able to start to see this AI um, do things for us, not just provide information for us, but put that into the form of robotic process automation or RPA so that we can start leveraging automation on top of AI to uh, bring things forward and, uh, and do things for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So overall, threat or opportunity for construction threat opportunity and uh you know just to, to tag on to opportunity um you know we're seeing more and more in construction as the the weeks and months and years go by you know this todd a, a labor crisis yeah and it is up to us innovators to look at ways we can mitigate that growing risk out there so we have to start looking at things like AI and looking at things like robots to in construction to see what will five years from now look like? What will 10 years from now look like? Because I don't see, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a pessimistic person, but I, I don't see that labor, um, you know, uh, market improving in the next year or two. I think we're going to kind of continue to see it flatline at best. And uh, hopefully I'm wrong. And I, hopefully we're, we're going to start going into the, the high schools and the colleges and, and uh, you know, trying to get people to be more um, um, excited about construction. Because my goodness, construction is such an exciting field and, and it has got a lot of potential there. So that needs to be advertised to the young folks, too, and the next generation of construction uh, builders. I more than agree with you. I won't get on my soapbox too much with, with that, but I think there's a huge marketing problem in construction that we don't do a good job telling our story to those outside the industry and making it, uh, uh, you know, telling the story that this is a really cool industry. There's a lot of tech, there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of really neat things happening, especially over the last couple of years that is, it's, it's not, uh, the construction industry of the stereotype that's that's out there. We need to do a better job of kind of breaking down those. Oh man, you're so right. And I'm blessed to be at CPBI because we're in the colleges, we're in the high schools, we're talking to um, these students about the opportunities that are out there because we want to be a part of solving the problem of the labor crisis. And And Todd, you're absolutely right. That starts with an understanding of what construction is in 2023 and beyond, not what uh, construction was, you know, 20 years ago or even yeah. 10 years ago. In, in yeah, some, yeah some absolutely. Cases. There's way more opportunities in construction, a very diverse array of opportunities than, than what the, you know, average person thinks when they think of construction. Uh, so as we start to kind of land the plane here, got a couple kind of rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, first, what is the phrase modeling the future? What does that mean and look like to you? 
You know, modeling the future, I, I think, you know, to, to, you know, to talk about what we had just said, you know, where we're building um, up that next generation is, is certainly a part of modeling the future, but, but also continuing to look for ways to be more innovative and, you know, to bring our um, project managers and superintendents and our construction teams home earlier to their families so they can spend more time with their families than they are on the job site. Um, and less time on a job site, should I say. So, you know, I think we have to continue to innovate. We have to continue to look forward at ways of improving things, whether that's from, you know, pre-construction and design all the way to the owner handoff. We've got to look for ways to continuously grow and get better. And it's up to us to do it. It's up to, it's up to the innovators out there, but it's also up to the adopters out there, the project managers, then superintendents saying, you know, I don't want to be a construction company that we were 20 years ago or 10 years ago. I want to, you know, embrace this technology and have that innovative spirit that, um, you know, enables our company to continue to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like it. So what does innovation mean to you? Innovation um, means, well, it's not just technology, Todd. Um, the first thing I was going to say, it just means uh, technology, but it's not. It's uh, innovation is more than that. It's processes. It's people. Um, it's an emotion. It's a, a tool. Um, it's a, a way of doing things. Um, you know, we can find an innovative way to, um, you know, carry a wheelbarrow. Um, I mean, it, it really, you can see some people that are good at it and some people that'll just dump their uh, wheelbarrow all over the ground, you know, so innovation isn't always technology, but certainly methods of procedure, standard operating procedures, looking at ways to to produce a lean practice and um, leveraging technology as much as we can to um, to get us to where we want to be. Yeah. yeah, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. More than anything. <laughs> I love how you said that. It's absolutely a mindset. Yeah. Uh, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Todd, I don't know if you can post a link to my LinkedIn, but feel free to connect sure. with me there. And, um, you know, I, um, I always love talking with construction firms and, uh, you know, it's, it's always, you know, I want to be able to push the innovation forward, not just for CPPI, but for the industry at whole, because we need to make the lives of people better. And, uh, um, and I think that if in some small way, if I can do that and I can help out in any way, I'm more than happy to do that. But LinkedIn's the best way to get hold of me. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry. What would you pick to innovate? Oh, wow. Todd, that's a curveball. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I would say, um, I would say the accuracy, and I don't want to pick on our architect friends out there, but the <laughs> the accuracy of we our, our drawings okay. <laughs> and the accuracy of our models. Um, I think if we could if we could improve that, I believe generative AI and uh, will help us along that way. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I would say improve construction documents and improvement mm -hmm. in construction documents. I, I think would be the thing that would help us. But I think that's every general contractor ever saying that. So um, I think I'm repeating what everybody would say. Maybe that's yeah. kind of a cheap shot. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We love our architecture friends. We do. <laughs> we all absolutely of us. couldn't do it without them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
Awesome. Well, Brad, thanks so much for taking the time. I, I really enjoyed There's uh, so many other rabbit trails that I, I fought the urge not to go down, but thanks so much for taking the time. This was great. Todd, it's been a lot of fun and I uh, look forward to uh, all the next podcasts you got. I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. You got me hooked. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have fun. We have fun. It's a great guest coming on and sharing their, their story. So I appreciate Thank you it. so much. Thank you. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, love the concept that implementations happen in three emotional states, vision, freak out, and comfort zone. That is so true. The amount of time spent in freak out is directly proportional to the time spent planning at the start of the process. Second take, the need for better collaboration and documentation of the process is fundamental for success. Listen to the stakeholders and solve the problem at the root cause level. And final take, developing SOPs, standard operating procedures, are an important resource that, as Brad said, should be designed to be challenged. This dramatically helps to foster better collaboration. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2024.